0: Chapter 25 of The Portrait of a Lady, Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For further information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Portrait of a Lady by Henry James, Volume 1. Chapter 25 While this sufficiently intimate colloquy, prolonged for some time after we ceased to follow it, went forward, Madame Mel and her companion, breaking a silence of some duration, had begun to exchange remarks. They were sitting in an attitude of unexpressed expectancy, an attitude especially marked on the part of the Countess Jiminy who, being of a more nervous temperament than her friend, practised with less success the art of disguising impatience. What these ladies were waiting for would not have been apparent, and was perhaps not very definite to their own minds. Madame Mail waited for Osmond to release their young friend from her tete-a-tete, and the countess waited because Madame Mail did. The countess, moreover, by waiting, found the time ripe for one of her pretty perversities, "'She might have desired for some minutes to place it. "'Her brother wandered with Isabel to the end of the garden, "'to which point her eyes followed them. "'My dear,' she then observed to her companion, "'you'll excuse me if I don't congratulate you.' "'Very willingly, for I don't in the least know why you should. "'Haven't you a little plan that you think rather well of?' "'And the countess nodded at the sequestered couple. Madame Male's eyes took the same direction.' then she looked serenely at her neighbour you know i never understand you very well she smiled no one can understand better than you when you wish i see that just now you don't wish you say things to me that no one else does said madame mel gravely yet without bitterness you mean things you don't like doesn't osmond sometimes say such things what your brother says has a point yes a poisoned one sometimes if you mean that I am not so clever as he, you mustn't think I shall suffer from your sense of our difference. But it will be much better that you should understand me. Why so? asked Madame Mel. To what will it conduce? If I don't approve of your plan, you ought to know it, in order to appreciate the danger of my interfering with it. Madame Mel looked as if she were ready to admit that there might be something in this, but in a moment she said quietly,— "'You think me more calculating than I am.' "'It's not your calculating, I think ill of. "'It's your calculating wrong. "'You've done so in this case. "'You must have made extensive calculations yourself "'to discover that.' "'No, I've not had time. "'I've seen the girl but this once,' said the Countess, "'and the conviction has suddenly come to me. "'I like her very much.' "'So do I, Madame," Mel mentioned. "'You've a strange way of showing it.' "'Surely I have given her the advantage of making your acquaintance?' "'That, indeed,' piped the Countess, "'is perhaps the best thing that could happen to her.' Madame Mail said nothing for some time. The Countess's manner was odious, was really low, but it was an old story, and with her eyes upon the violet slope of Monte Morello she gave herself up to reflection. "'My dear lady,' she finally resumed, "'I advise you not to agitate yourself.' THE MATTER YOU ALLUDE TO CONCERNS THREE PERSONS MUCH STRONGER OF PURPOSE THAN YOURSELF. THREE PERSONS? YOU AND Osmond, OF COURSE. BUT IS MISS ARCHER ALSO VERY STRONG OF PURPOSE? QUITE AS MUCH SO AS WE. AH, THEN, SAID THE COUNTESS RADIANTLY, IF I CONVINCE HER IT'S IN HER INTEREST TO RESIST YOU, SHE'LL DO SO SUCCESSFULLY. RESIST US? WHY DO YOU EXPRESS YOURSELF SO COARSELY? "'She's not exposed to compulsion or deception?' "'I'm not sure of that. "'You're capable of anything, you and Osmond. "'I don't mean Osmond by himself, "'and I don't mean you by yourself, "'but together you're dangerous, "'like some chemical combination.' "'You had better leave us alone, then,' "'smiled Madame Mail. "'I don't mean to touch you, "'but I shall talk to that girl.' "'My poor Amy,' Madame Mail murmured. "'I don't see what has got into your head.' "'I take an interest in her. That's what has got into my head. I like her.' "'Madame Mel hesitated a moment. I don't think she likes you.' "'The Countess's bright little eyes expanded, and her face was set in a grimace. "'Ah, you are dangerous, even by yourself. "'If you want her to like you, don't abuse your brother to her,' said Madame Mel. "'I don't suppose you pretend she has fallen in love with him in two interviews?' "'Madame Mail looked a moment at Isabel "'and at the master of the house. "'He was leaning against the parapet, "'facing her, his arms folded, "'and she at present was evidently not lost "'in the mere impersonal view, "'persistently as she gazed at it. "'As Madame Mail watched her, "'she lowered her eyes. "'She was listening, "'possibly with a certain embarrassment, "'while she pressed the point of her parasol "'into the path. "'Madame Mail rose from her chair. "'Yes, I think so,' She pronounced. The shabby footboy summoned by Pansy he might, tarnished as to livery and quaint as to type, have issued from some stray sketch of old time manners, been put in by the brush of a Longhi or a Goya had come out with a small table and placed it on the grass, and then had gone back and fetched the tea tray, after which he had again disappeared to return with a couple of chairs. Pansy had watched these proceedings with the deepest interest, standing with her small hands folded together upon the front of her scanty frock. But she had not presumed to offer assistance. When the tea-table had been arranged, however, she gently approached her aunt. "'Do you think Papa would object to my making the tea?' The Countess looked at her with deliberately critical gaze, and without answering her question. "'My poor niece,' she said, "'is that your best frock?' "'Ah, oh, no,' Pansy answered, "'it's just a little toilette for common occasions. "'Do you call it a common occasion when I come to see you? "'To say nothing of Madame Mel and the pretty lady yonder?' "'Pansy reflected a moment, "'turning gravely from one of the persons mentioned to the other. "'Then her face broke into its perfect smile. "'I have a pretty dress, but even that one's very simple. "'Why should I expose it beside your beautiful things?' because it's the prettiest you have. For me you must always wear the prettiest. Please put it on the next time. It seems to me they don't dress you so well as they might.' The child sparingly stroked down her antiquated skirt. "'It's a good little dress to make tea, don't you think? Don't you believe papa would allow me?' "'Impossible for me to say, my child,' said the countess. "'For me your father's ideas are unfathomable.' "'Madame Mel understands them better. Ask her.' "'Madame Mel smiled with her usual grace. "'It's a weighty question. Let me think. It seems to me it would please your father to see a careful little daughter making his tea. It's the proper duty of the daughter of the house when she grows up.' "'So it seems to me, Madame Mel, Pansy cried. "'You shall see how well I'll make it. A spoonful for each.' "'and she began to busy herself at the table. Two spoonfuls for me,' said the Countess, "'who, with Madame Mail, remained for some moments watching her. "'Listen to me, Pansy,' the Countess resumed at last. "'I should like to know what you think of your visitor.' "'Ah, she's not mine, she's Papa's,' Pansy objected. "'Miss Archer came to see you as well,' said Madame Mail. "'I'm very happy to hear that. She has been very polite to me.' "'Do you like her, then?' the Countess asked. "'She's charming, charming,' Pansy repeated, in her little neat conversational tone. "'She pleases me thoroughly.' "'And how do you think she pleases your father?' "'Ah, really, Countess,' murmured Madame Mell dissuasively. "'Go and call them to tea,' she went on to the child. "'You'll see if they don't like it,' Pansy declared, and departed to summon the others, who had still lingered at the end of the terrace.' "'If Miss Archer's to become her mother, it's surely interesting to know if the child likes her,' said the Countess. "'If your brother marries again it won't be for Pansy's sake,' Madame Mell replied. "'She'll soon be sixteen, and after that she'll begin to need a husband rather than a stepmother. "'And will you provide the husband as well?' "'I shall certainly take an interest in her marrying, fortunately. "'I imagine you'll do the same.' "'Indeed I shan't,' cried the Countess.' "'Why should I, of all women, set such a price on a husband?' "'You didn't marry, fortunately. That's what I'm speaking of. "'When I say a husband, I mean a good one. "'There are no good ones. Osmond won't be a good one.' "'Madame Mayall closed her eyes a moment. "'You're irritated just now. I don't know why,' she presently said. "'I don't think you'll really object, either to your brothers or to your nieces marrying, "'when the time comes for them to do so.' "'And as regards Pansy, I am confident that we shall some day have the pleasure of looking for a husband for her together. Your large acquaintance will be a great help.' "'Yes, I am irritated,' the Countess answered. "'You often irritate me. Your own coolness is fabulous. You are a strange woman.' "'It is much better that we should always act together,' Madame Mail went on. "'Do you mean that as a threat?' asked the Countess, rising." "'Madame Mel shook her head, as for quiet amusement. "'No, indeed, you've not my coolness.' "'Isabel and Mr. Osmond were now slowly coming towards them, "'and Isabel had taken Pansy by the hand. "'Do you pretend to believe he'd make her happy?' the countess demanded. "'If he should marry Miss Archer, I suppose he'd behave like a gentleman.' "'The countess jerked herself into a succession of attitudes. "'Do you mean as most gentlemen behave?' "'That would be much to be thankful for. "'Of course, Osmond's a gentleman. "'His own sister needn't be reminded of that. "'But does he think he can marry any girl he happens to pick out? "'Osmond's a gentleman, of course. "'But I must say I've never, no, no, never, "'seen any one of Osmond's pretensions. "'What they're all founded on is more than I can say. "'I'm his own sister, I might be supposed to know. "'Who is he, if you please? "'What has he ever done?' if there has been anything particularly grand in his origin, if he were made of some superior clay, I presume I should have got some inkling of it. If there had been any great honours or splendours in the family, I should certainly have made the most of them. They would have been quite in my line. But there's nothing, nothing, nothing. One's parents were charming people, of course, but so were yours, I've no doubt. Everyone's a charming person nowadays. Even I'm a charming person— "'Don't laugh. It has literally been said. As for Osmond, he has always appeared to believe that he's descended from the gods.' "'You may say what you please,' said Madame Mail, who had listened to this quick outbreak, none the less attentively, we may believe, because her eye wandered away from the speaker, and her hands busied themselves with adjusting the knots of ribbon on her dress. "'You Osmonds are a fine race. Your blood must flow from some very pure source.' "'Your brother, like an intelligent man, "'has had the conviction of it "'if he has not had the proofs. "'You're modest about it, "'but you yourself are extremely distinguished. "'What do you say about your niece? "'The child's a little princess. "'Nevertheless,' Madame Mel added, "'it won't be an easy matter "'for Osmond to marry Miss Archer. "'Yet he can try. "'I hope she'll refuse him. "'It will take him down a little. "'We mustn't forget "'that he is one of the cleverest of men.' "'I've heard you say that before, but I haven't yet discovered what he has done. "'What he has done? He has done nothing that has had to be undone, and he has known how to wait. "'To wait for Miss Archer's money? How much of it is there?' "'That's not what I mean,' said Madame Mayall. "'Miss Archer has seventy thousand pounds.' "'Well, it's a pity she's so charming,' the Countess declared. "'To be sacrificed any girl would do. She needn't be superior.' If she weren't superior, your brother would never look at her. He must have the best. Yes, returned the countess, as they went forward a little to meet the others. He's very hard to satisfy. That makes me tremble for her happiness. End of chapter 25